This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 68th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great today, Cameron. I spent the uh, the last week in Costa Rica on vacation. Wow. And I uh, woke up at 3 a.m. this morning and started my trek back to Missouri, and I literally... Landed here in Springfield about an hour ago and got off the plane and came right here to record this podcast. Terrific. So you got your priorities in order. You guys flew me in, so yeah, that's what it felt like. You know, <laughs> just really, I'll I'll be flying back out to uh, wherever to right, right after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to just pause your vacation. Just Absolutely. Come do this real quick. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, Kyle, uh, you you did miss some newsworthy items while you were gone. Um, I'm sure. You got all caught up with caught caught right back up with uh, National Signing Day. <laughs> I did my best. I didn't have the greatest internet connection out there. Uh, had some spotty Wi-Fi and stuff, but I. What was your favorite part of being in Costa Rica? Um, I don't know. The food was fantastic, man. Had some great. That surprised me. What exactly some, did they? What I ordered a. Uh, it was really. There's a lot of different stuff, but one thing I really that I really enjoyed was uh, some beef enchiladas that I had ah. that were the best enchiladas I've ever had. Had some good Italian food and stuff too, where they mm. made the they made the noodles and stuff like right there in uh, in the shop. So wow. it was awesome. It was it was a really cool experience, and I do it again sometime. Recommend. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of a lot of new names to uh, add to the Mizzou fan radar, if they're not there already. But before we do any of that, Kyle. I need to let everybody know that support for the Missouri Sports Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag below the belt. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Always use the right tools for the job. And Kyle, this is very important because it is almost Christmas time. People are procrastinating. I'm one of them. And this would make a great gift for anybody in your life that needs a little manscaping. Yeah, you want to make the uh, that special someone happy as well as Santa this year. So... Guys, you want to get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGHEADS. All right, Kyle. So we've got some commits to talk about and a couple surprises, but uh, let's go through some signees. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Uh, they made it official. Put the pen to the paper. So let's go through this list real quick. Um, maybe you'll have some insight for everybody on uh, what we can expect from some of these players. Maybe we'll talk about who we're most excited about. Um, I'll just go through the list quickly, and then we'll touch back on a few guys in particular. So we have uh, Jalen Carlees, a wide receiver from Florida. 
Harrison Mevis, a kicker from Indiana. Drake Heismeyer, offensive lineman from St. Charles, Missouri. Will Norris, linebacker from Columbia, Missouri. Tyler Jones, defensive back from Florida. Uh, and teammate of previously mentioned Jalen Carlise. Uh, let's see. J.J. Hester, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Brady Cook, quarterback from St. Louis. Jay Macklin, wide receiver from Kirkwood, Missouri. Elijah Young, running back from Tennessee. And Mitchell Walters, an offensive lineman from St. Louis. Yeah, got a pretty nice core group of guys here. A lot of local guys, which is nice. <clears throat> I think generally what you are trying to accomplish in recruiting is kind of filling some holes for the future. Um, kind of looking down the road, who's going to be able to um, take over this role um, in two to three years or whatever it is. And sometimes, you know, somebody will come in extra ready to go and, and you know, they'll get playing, t playing time as a freshman or whatever it is. But um, I think obviously if you're looking for guys that are going to come in and potentially have a chance to play right off the bat, it's probably the guys at position of need, which is wide receiver. Um, J.J. Hester, that's probably the guy that jumps out to me out of anybody on this list of somebody who has the chance to play their freshman year. Um, I think Elijah Young is obviously the crown jewel of the class probably as far as just pure playmaking ability, um, but just because of the depth at running back, I'm not sure he's going to probably get a whole lot of playing time his freshman year, maybe. It's possible, um, depending on what happens with Tyler Beatty. Because, um, I mean, I don't know. I think there's been, like, some talk about Tyler Beatty potentially transferring out, that nothing's been reported. But well, at let's this talk time, about that for just a sec. Uh, he posted a video on Twitter that said, thank you, Mizzou. Yeah. And it was, like, a little highlight reel. And got everybody worrying. Yeah. But now I think the tweet's been deleted. Or I think. I don't know for sure on that, but I think. His it, name never entered no. the transfer portal. No one. No, nothing has been reported that he's leaving. Right. So, and I don't know if anybody specifically asked him, like, what, what was this about? So it may have just been, like, a highlight reel of this year, which obviously we hope so. <clears throat> so, so kind of an odd thing for him to just randomly tweet. It is true. He probably should have been more careful with that caption. But anyways, um We'll just plan that Tyler Beatty's going to be a part of the class as far and as well as uh, Larry Roundtree. So if both those guys are there next year, it's going to be tough for Elijah Young to break into uh, to the rotation much there. But it's very possible. You never know. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's a good core group of guys here. Um, <clears throat> normally, the December signing date is a little bit bigger deal. Now it's kind of the main signing date, if you will, um, and the whole recruiting cycle has just kind of moved up like a, a month or two since this switch so since the december signing date is a thing from the last couple of years <clears throat> uh but this this year's gonna be a little bit different the, the february signing date i think it's that first week of february is gonna be um a really big deal um because obviously mr uh mr Drinkwitz had a had a lot of uh a lot of work to do and it's really impossible to you know ha hang on to everybody and to bring in like a full class of like 20 people so uh, how many people we have here 10 or so yeah I would say this is, you know, a really good list to move forward with, and um, I'm excited to see, you know, some new some new names pop up and, and see who we're going to move forward with in, in February. One guy that could get a lot of playing time early is uh, Mr. Mevis, the kicker. Yes, definitely. Uh, with there being a, a gaping hole there for somebody to fill. Um, one area of need that wasn't addressed at all so far in this signing class is defensive end. Uh, basically defensive line at all. Um, Missouri obviously losing um, Jordan Elliott. 
and not getting much production at all from the defensive ends last year. That just seems like a glaring spot that was not addressed and it is worrisome when you're looking at the roster for next year. Yeah, definitely the the depth of defensive line is super thin after this year, like you said. And on top of that, I think we had like four defensive line commits um, at the time. It, when On Barry Odom's last day, there was like four guys committed. And <clears throat> we'll talk about this in a little bit, but we've lost at least, I think, three of them. And the one that's still committed, I think there's some academic issues potentially with him. So there's that's just like the wild wild west right now like nobody knows what to, what's happening with that so hopefully there is uh, some plan going forward for the defensive line but right now that's definitely the uh the biggest concern at the moment and we'll make it three weeks in a row producer Cameron dropping his phone uh jay macklin uh not probably the uh same caliber of recruit as jj hester but when you see First, in, first initial J, last name Macklin, coming to Missouri. I think it just gets a lot of fans excited. And I don't think anybody should expect any, with anything close to Jeremy Macklin uh, production from his younger cousin. But it's just cool to see anytime those kind of family bloodlines come back through Missouri. Um, I don't know. It's just encouraging that you can kind of keep these families in state and keep everybody on the same page. Yeah, and we've been watching Jay Macklin for years now, just kind of thinking like, man, that'd be so cool if he would pick Mizzou. And we didn't even know if he would be a D1 caliber player, you know, two or three years ago when we first kind of first kind of heard about him at Kirkwood. But um, obviously he has he has a lot of talent. I mean, I it's very possible that he is has a really good career. Um, I, I don't have as good of a gauge on, on how good he, he might be as some of these other guys, but um, definitely a talented kid. Like you said, good, good bloodlines. Yeah. Um, Gets the fans excited. I'm, I'm all for it, for sure. Uh, when you're looking at quarterback, it seems like even though it's very unknown uh, sort of what Missouri has with all their different quarterbacks, there are enough of them that you would think we're going to get somebody to stick and be the guy for the next couple years, two or three maybe. Um, how do you think Brady Cook figures into that situation because it seems kind of crowded and he doesn't have the pedigree really to be a guy like if we were talking about drew lock right now we'd be saying well it might not matter who's on the roster right now this guy is probably going to be the one and i don't think we can necessarily say that for brady cook yeah we're in a little bit of uncharted territory right now with with the quarterback situation in missouri has been very blessed with quarterback play the last whatever 20 years or so seems like every year um, when, when, when an era ends, another one, a really good one starts. Um, so this, this next season is going to be really interesting, first of all, just to see who wins that quarterback battle. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Bazelak rehabs from his ACL, how Sean Robinson's looking. Um, and then, yeah, I think Brady Cook and, and Taylor Powell could factor into that. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I kind of hope that Taylor Powell is not factoring into that. Um, because that probably means Bazelak is not rehabbing as, as he's not ready and Sean Robinson doesn't look great. Um, Brady Cook is almost 100% going to redshirt this year, and then I think he could absolutely be a factor for that starting job his, his second freshman year, I guess, whatever whatever yeah, you his call redshirt it. Freshman his year, redshirt freshman year. Yeah, there you go. Redshirt freshman year. Um, he's He's got, you know, he's very well, well-rounded game. He's got, uh, he got wheels for sure. Um, he's very athletic. 
Um, has a has a good arm. It honestly is kind of almost a little bit similar to Bazelak. Kind of nice touch on the ball. Um, doesn't do anything amazingly well, but it's just very well balanced. Can do everything well. Um, and then of course his high school teammate is Jay Macklin. So they've got some camaraderie. Yeah, it would be cool to see um, a quarterback from Missouri leading the Tigers again, um, like we got to see from Drew Locke for many seasons, but uh, I agree that he'll probably redshirt, and you kind of hope with the new redshirt rules, I think that's uh, one of the few things that the NCAA has done right in recent years is allow players to get a little bit of experience and still retain their uh, redshirt. So maybe they can work him into getting a few snaps here and there, but yeah, I'd say we won't see much of him for a little while yet. Yeah, it may just kind of depend on <clears throat> what – uh, Drinkwitz offense is going to look like um, over the next couple seasons. Um, certain guys may be better fits for, for the offense. I, I personally think Sean Robinson has a shot to be really, really good in, in what they want to do. Um, but who knows? It's a, long, it's a little ways away. I was actually watching more of Appalachian State's uh, games from last year. Just kind of uh, Rock M Nation has a really good series going on about Drinkwitz offensive system. Um, I encourage everybody to go give them some clicks and, and read those because really insightful. But a lot of the clips that I was seeing, um, a lot of the highlights really looked like a spread option run game that we saw Auburn use a lot of the time. Now, I don't think that there were truly options built in on a lot of the plays, like is commonly seen. I mean, Missouri's done that where it looks like it's a read option, but really they're giving it to the, to the running back like 99% of the time. But uh, there's just a lot of jet sweeps by the wide receivers or a wide receiver um, motioning into the backfield and then being a pitch man off of a, a handoff option. And just a lot of a lot of really creative-looking stuff in the running game with short passes to basically be safety valves if uh, the defense just tries to stack the box against the run. And I think it's going to give an opportunity for a mobile quarterback to be really successful. I think it's going to give an opportunity for multiple running backs to have playing time. If if they can be at all successful running the ball like they want to be, then I think they could just cycle guys in and out nonstop in a game. I think that's what excites me about Sean Robinson is because I think he most perfectly fits that role out of at least the current Mizzou quarterbacks. But um, – I, he's mobile, but I love his vertical passing threat. He's got a great, great deep ball, and um, I don't know. I, I I'm just excited to see something new, and and really, I really feel confident about. Obviously, that's what I feel most confident about. Coach Drinkwitz is, is what the offense is going to look like, especially over the next year or two. I really think the offense is going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, I would still have some trepidation because of the uh, lackluster offensive line play this last season. Yeah, but you got to think. I mean, they, we were not that we're not that far removed from a dominant offensive line, right? So, and yeah, it, the offensive line could definitely be sketchy, and he, maybe he he might not have exactly the personnel he he needs to run uh, the offense he wants to run yet. But we'll see. Maybe it might be better than we think. Yeah, having options. It's not like he. You see, sometimes new coaches are just they have a quarterback there, and that's going to have to be the guy because he's like the only one even remotely capable. Yeah. And it seems like he's going to at least be able to 
really choose the quarterback to lead his offense in the next yeah. couple of years. And it's too bad that we didn't have like JJ and like Emmanuel Hall <clears throat> as wide receivers in this oh, offense. Yeah. I think they would have been perfect for it as well. Yeah. Getting back over to uh, the recruits, was there anybody before we move on to people that Missouri did not sign uh, this week? Is there any anything else you want to say about the, the players that did sign? Um, not, I mean, nothing crazy, but just kind of reiterating that it, I think it's a good solid group. Um, I think honestly, my favorite thing about, about it is just the, the local guys. And it's just something that we've struggled to do recently. And, and obviously Drinkwitz has made that, um, really a a strong point in a lot of his interviews and stuff that we're going to lock down the borders. And, um, I say good luck to you, um, because everyone said that and everyone's tried and not everyone has done it, but. You know, I, I really believe that they're going to make that a priority. I mean, you have to. And if a guy is open to Missouri recruiting them, you gotta got to go for it until they tell you no. Um, so we had a couple surprises. Uh, one mild surprise was the fact that Kevon Billingsley did not sign um, this week or yesterday, I guess that was. So um, there was actually some kind of weird uh, rumors on Twitter that I think were then debunked that he was in some legal trouble, that maybe he was arrested uh, back in his hometown. It seems like the latest information is that it was not the case. I think it was last I read, at least, I think it may have been his brother or somebody with the same last name as him, but a different address. Yes. Obviously different first name and different date of birth. So uh, whatever it was, it was not him. Right. But I do believe there may be some academic concerns of some kind. So, but hopefully uh, whatever it is will be shored up and maybe he'll be able to sign in February. I, I don't think it's that he's unsure of wanting to play at Missouri. Uh, I think it may be just some personal things that he needs to, to figure yeah, out. Hopefully hopefully they get him on campus and he doesn't have to do the uh, JUCO route and delay everything by a season or two. Yeah, it seems like there's somebody every recruiting cycle that we lose to to JUCO or whatever it is. Um, sometimes it comes back around and it works. Sometimes. It works out. Sometimes it's it doesn't at all. So. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe those players wouldn't have, even if they signed during the normal signing period. True. But you never know. Uh, let's see here. You want to talk about Robert Wooten? He uh, was kind of a tenuous at best commit to Missouri. And uh, if you looked at his Twitter anytime recently, it was all Virginia Tech. And so not really yeah. surprised that he ended up signing with the Hoagies. Yeah, not a big surprise. He, he was kind of a guy that was a little bit all over the place at the, in the past year. I think he was committed to like three different schools, um, including Virginia Tech. So uh, started uh, started off committed to Arizona, then decommitted and went to Missouri. And then um, whenever they fired Barry Odom, he backed off of that commitment. So, uh, yeah, like you said, his Twitter has been pretty much all Virginia Tech. Uh, I think that I may have had a little bit of glimmering hope at you know, towards the end of the cycle, uh, whenever he met with Brick Haley, it looked like things went well. And then I saw that a, an other edge rusher committed to Virginia Tech. And I thought, I mean, that could be just absolutely nothing, but I thought that could maybe be a deterrent to, to Robert Wooten um, if there's a lot of competition. Because obviously at Missouri, he's walking right into a potential playing time like next year. So, um, but obviously he didn't go for that. And that's fine, um, but not, not like you said, not a big surprise. Still, though, uh, an area of need that uh, did not get filled this time. And you got to think that that's going to be a spot. The defensive line in general is going to be a spot that maybe the coaches are looking at the transfer portal or oh, yeah. uh, JUCO uh, transfers and the late signing period. All three of those things are going to have to be a factor absolutely, uh, in that area specifically. 
probably the biggest surprise, actually, I would say no doubt the biggest surprise was Dominic Johnson, uh, running back, flipped. Uh, he was committed to Missouri, uh, verbal commit for a, a while now. I then appeared in a signing day video with a Missouri hat on. And at the time that the video of him signing was published on his Twitter, his pinned tweet was still his commitment tweet to Missouri with the graphic and everything. But uh, if, if you didn't see, he took off the Missouri hat, flipped it up onto the, onto the ground, and revealed a, an Arkansas shirt under his jacket. So he got a little theatrical there, which, of course, some people are going to have a problem with. But uh, shockingly, I don't think either one of us think it's that big of a deal, um, at least the theatrics of it. Uh, him losing him as a running back commit uh, is significant, but uh, not the end of the world. It would be much more significant if we had not uh, signed Elijah Young this class. Yeah, this is kind of a lot to unpack here, and this was kind of a weird one. Um, but yeah, I think he was one of Missouri's like longest committed players. I think he was one of the first players in this class to commit. Um, seemed to never waver at any point from that, even when Barry Odom was fired. I never heard anything about him like wanting to look around. Um, he was kind of an intriguing prospect. He was he was definitely a bigger guy. I mean, he was he's a, a very large running back prospect, um, and so that can be. Uh, I could see honestly this guy being fantastic, or I could see him never seeing the field because he's just not really have doesn't really have the body that you would expect to have a run to be a running back. Uh, but if he pulls off that like Derrick Henry, you know, thing, then, you know, that works for him. So I, I could see it going either way. Um, definitely was excited about him potentially being an intriguing prospect. But um, obviously I would have rather had Elijah Young. But, um, yeah, I, like I said, I was in Costa Rica this past week. And so I wasn't just checking. I wasn't constantly checking my Internet like I might be normally. And I think I was a couple hours late to the party, but I just happened to go on Twitter and the first thing I saw was a tweet from the Arkansas like football account. And it was just like, you know, welcome Dominic Johnson. And I was was like, first signee of the day. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like I kind of was like, took a double take and I was like, is this the same guy? Like I legitimately thought it might've been a different guy that I was just like, is that the same guy, the same person I'm thinking of? And turns out it was, um, so yeah, that was that was a total shock to me. Never saw that coming at all. There's some rumors out there about maybe, maybe what of Maybe what happened with him uh, and Coach Drinkwitz on, on his visit last weekend. I think there's some rumors that maybe Coach Drink wanted him to play linebacker and he didn't really want to play linebacker and he knew he could play running back at Arkansas and, and join up with Barry Odom. So maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But either way, uh, happy trails and we'll see you next year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Barry Odom, he's my next uh, topic of conversation unless you have anything else you want to say about signing day. And uh, – there was one guy uh, that I can't think of his name, a uh, very prominent recruit. Uh, well, let's just talk real quick about the guys that we kind of knew weren't going to sign at Missouri that uh, all that just didn't. So like um, Antonio Doyle, um, one guy that I didn't catch up on was uh, Dante Manning. Uh, did he, um, I know? think he, I don't, I probably shouldn't even say anything, but I think he's committed to A&M. I think actually I don't know. He might just ha- have released his final five, and within the last month or two. Uh, this news report says he has signed a letter of intent, but won't announce 
what school it was with until the Under Armour All-American game. Okay. I'm assuming that's going to be A&M. Um, Art Green was another, I think, kind of wide receiver, cornerback guy who was committed to Tennessee for a while and then backed off that commitment. Um, I think Missouri has a shot there, but I haven't really heard anything about him. I don't think he signed anywhere. Antonio Doyle was, man, that was a strange recruitment as well. Um, he kind of created a little bit of drama, but even though they're really all along, we knew there wasn't really much drama. I think everybody knew he was going to A&M, which he is. So, yeah. um, I mean, he's a, he's a super talented player. Obviously it would have been great to have him. Cooper Davis made it official and okay. signed with Illinois. Gotcha. Uh, Jalen Logan Redding okay. uh, yep. decommitted after Odom was let go. He signed with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That was a weird one. Ray Curry flipped his commitment um, and also signed with Arkansas. Yep. Yeah, there was uh, definitely some uh, some attrition uh, to this class, and it's it's hard to to see <laughs> sometimes, but you just have to expect that with a new coach. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, I guess, about the dynamic with at Arkansas with Sam Pittman and Barry Odom. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know Barry Odom very well <clears throat> on a personal level, obviously. Um, but anytime you're coaching at this level, you have to think there's probably some ego at, you know, to some degree you probably, there should be. Um, Sam Pittman has never been a head coach before. Barry Odom has been a co- head coach before and has had decent success as as a head coach, at least at times. I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder what that dynamic is going to be like between those two. And um, I don't know. I, I should. I don't know. Not that anybody missed this, but uh, Barry Odom was hired as the Arkansas defensive coordinator. And yeah, that you bring up an inter- interesting point. Um, one other wrinkle to that is in an interview recently, um, Pittman was uh, quoted saying that he was offered the Mizzou offensive coordinator job by Barry Odom uh, before they hired Derek Dooley. Uh, That came right out of his mouth. Which means he would have declined it. Right. And reportedly, it was uh, contract issues that kept that from occurring. uh, That there was just... uh, Reportedly, that's why several candidates for that offensive coordinator job declined, and, and then they eventually got to Dooley. I think I had heard that they wanted a, at least a two-year commitment out of that guy because they didn't want that person just to coach Drew Locke for one year and then hop off the train. And so I wonder if that had some <clears> – <throat> I don't know if that created issues that they wanted a kind of a two-year commitment from, from people. So they, those two were aware of each other at least and had had conversations previously. That's interesting. Um, I did not know that. And Pittman was in the SEC before taking the Arkansas job. So That's just a big jump to go from an offensive line coach to a head coach yeah. uh, when you've never had a head coaching experience. So um, I feel like it's all good and fine now, but when, when the losses start to pile up or you know if things start to not go as expected, I wonder if things will get interesting. And I think uh, Arkansas fans would probably roll their eyes at this statement, but um, Barry Odom, he is going to be wanting to be a head coach very soon. Like, I would put, I would say the odds are greater if Arkansas's defense is successful at all next year. The odds are greater that he is there for one year and parlays that into a head coaching job than being there four or five years as the defensive coordinator. I mean, 
I really don't see that happening. If I'm not sure I see Sam Pittman being there four or five years. Yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> but uh, if they're, if the defense is successful at all, he will be a power five head coach, I believe. Um, there's plenty of programs that are going to be doing a lot worse than Missouri did the last three years. And they're, they'll be ready to scoop a guy up that proves he can create an elite defense wherever he goes. Even a lower level <clears throat> FBS program, kind of like a Memphis or something yeah. like that, like a Sunbelt team or something like that. Um, I feel like, I, I think you're right, Barry Odom will be a head coach within two or three years. From I think now. he'll have oppor- an opportunity where he'll get to pick where he wants to go. He'll, he'll be able to, he won't have to settle uh, to be a head coach again. I think he'll be able to have a pretty good pretty good landing spot eventually. i honestly hope so i mean i i like barry odom and i don't want him to be successful at arkansas i just want him to get out of there it's kind of weird yeah one of our friends actually uh asked us if we would be like rooting for arkansas now and i said kind of half joking but pretty i mean if i had my choice this is how i would have it i said i want arkansas to lose every game three to zero <laughs> i want them to have a very good defense uh, because i still like barry odom still want him to be successful but uh yeah i'm not gonna be rooting for them to win a single game ever not at all um, so speaking of coaches, uh, let's switch back to Missouri's coaches because we have some developments there. Uh, most noteworthy, well, uh, these are all pretty noteworthy, but uh, a newcomer to the staff is Curtis Looper. He has been hired as the offensive coordinator. He has a, a long history in uh, Power 5 programs. He was a uh, running backs coach at New Mexico, then associate head coach and running backs coach at Oklahoma State. And then running backs coach at the while uh, Drinkwitz was there as well at Auburn. And then uh, most recently he was wide receivers and running backs coach at TCU. And then he got a promotion to co-offensive coordinator in 2017, uh, still taking care of the uh, receivers and running backs there. The other co-offensive coordinator was the quarterback specialist. So um, that's noteworthy for a couple of reasons. Um, Missouri extended an offer to his son, uh, Chance, who's a wide receiver. And then it's also noteworthy because uh, Sean Robinson was at T- TCU when uh, Curtis Looper was a co-offensive coordinator. So that's that's kind of interesting from multiple different levels. Yeah, I think on the surface it seems like a pretty good hire, at least to me. Um, I think he was pretty well respected at TCU, and they've, they've had a good offense. Um, one thing to consider is that Drink- Drinkwitz is going to be calling the plays, so um, obviously – Curtis Looper is still going to have an, uh, you know, an impact on the offense, but he won't be calling plays. Um, a con- it makes sense to me to have a guy that specializes in wide receivers and running backs. Definitely. When and from all accounts, this guy is adept at recruiting the state of Texas. For sure. Which is that's maybe the biggest benefit of yeah. all. Um, and yeah, like you said, another benefit could be his son potentially uh, playing at Missouri. Um, yeah, Chance Looper, wide receiver from Texas, um, currently committed to Boise State uh did not sign as i understand it so it's a very real possibility that he could be making the move over to missouri for that february signing date um a mild concern i have potentially about looper is you started to mention it with sean robinson sean robinson was previously at tcu he played a little bit in 2017 and then was a starter for half of the year in 2018 he played pretty well uh, but transferred mid-year and uh, Curtis Looper was the co-OC there when during both of those years, uh, most notably the year that he transferred. So um, obviously there's so many different reasons why you could transfer. And it's not just because you don't like your co-offensive coordinator. 
um, but that mostly deals with wide receivers and running backs. Right. But it's always a possibility that maybe there was, a, you know, relationship concerns between the two of them. And that's, you know, had something to do with why he wanted out. But um, that seems like a little bit of a stretch at this point, but it may be something to consider. Yeah. I'm just excited to, uh, along with a couple other announcements that we'll talk about, but just the staff has pretty much come together and it's just really cool to see what it looks like. And I think, with everybody that he has on board with what, who coach Drinkwitz has on board, it looks like he's done exactly what we hoped. I mean, this, this offensive coordinator hire without, you know, diving too into the details of, you know, all these teams, different performances in different areas, but getting a guy who is known for his recruiting and player development and is not going to work directly with quarterbacks. You assume that Drinkwitz is going to be that guy. And obviously he's calling the plays. I mean, I think I said uh, last week that that's basically the outline of what I was looking for in the offensive coordinator hire. And uh, moving on to a, co- a few of the coaches that are coming back, we talked about last week that Brick Haley was back. Um, add to that, Ryan Walters is back, folks, <laughs> as the defensive coordinator, which I know some people weren't really high on him. I am absolutely high on him. I think that's... <clears throat> a fantastic addition to the staff. I'm so glad they retained him. Um, I think he learned a lot from Barry Odom and he was a major part of why one of the only good things about Missouri the last couple of years was their defense. Yeah, I think this is a smart move by Coach Drink for sure. And obviously he wants to make his individual mark on the program, but I think just having the ability to say, okay, the off the defense was great last year i think that that's something we can continue to build upon um obviously there's some conversations had there and i think they clearly are all on the same page moving forward um it might be a little bit strange i guess at first it's probably not super common that like half of the staff remains um, but it really wasn't a super common situation that missouri found itself anyway in in the first place with firing barry odom in a in a decent spot it's not a full rebuild and so I think that's what makes the situation a little bit unique. Um, I think Drink is smart. He said, I, I want to hit the ground running. I want to I want to hit the ground running in my first year in the SEC. We're going to improve the offense, but we're going to keep building on what was already pretty good defense. Yeah, it excites me that he is smart enough to just try to form the staff that will make the team the most successful no matter what. I think you see sometimes coaches just – say nope I'm bringing in all my guys and I think honestly that could have been a couple that could have been a reason um, maybe a couple coaches weren't considered for the head coaching job was because they wanted to bring in a ton of guys that didn't have a lot of um, power five experience and I think that kind of goes adds some credence to uh, Jim Sterk finding in quotes his guy um, because I think that was something that he was concerned about was having a lot of experience surrounding uh, a guy that had only been a head coach for one season. So yeah, and I, I don't know how how this stuff works exactly, but do you think it's possible that Stirk may have kind of included that? Like, if if you're going to be the coach here, we you know not giving him an ultimatum, but maybe just saying we strongly encourage you retaining some of the defensive staff. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you could present that in a way. Obviously, they knew that he would be open to that in the first place, or else you wouldn't even, that wouldn't even be, I I don't think negotiations would have gotten very far if he was adamant that he was going to bring in all of his own guys. And if you just kind of explain the situation, like 
hey, look, our defense has been really good. We really like Ryan Walters. Um, Brick Haley is crucial in recruiting right now. So uh, cons- please consider these guys for your staff. Uh, you know, I think it's as simple as that. And I think if he kind of takes the hints and realizes what's best for the program, that seems like what happened. But uh, of course, I'm painting a rosy picture in that whole process. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Cameron. Typical Missouri Sports Podcast. Exactly. Um, David Gibbs is also back, folks, as the as a defensive uh, backs coach, I would assume. Yep, I'm, I'm all in for that as well. We saw a lot of uh, turnovers generated in like the first four games of the season, but kind of tapered off. Then bounce back a little bit at the end, but yeah. But think think about how impactful those were. I mean, think oh, about yeah. honestly the play of the year is Ronnell Perkins uh, taking the hundred yard interception back against yeah. South Carolina, the fourth game of the year. That was that was truly the play of the year in my opinion. Yep. Every uh, things were things were looking pretty good at things that time. Were, things were nice and. I saw peachy. actually somebody tweeted. I I wish I could remember who I saw, but uh, they were like, however many days ago, Missouri was five and one. Uh, first place in the SEC East. Oh, no, it was a reply to uh, Arkansas announcing Barry Odom as their defensive coordinator. Really? And it was like, <clears throat> imagine seeing this when uh, Missouri was 5-1, and one, first place in the SEC East, and had just beaten South Carolina. <laughs> that is That's wild. a weird thing to think about. It is. Uh, anything else regarding the coaching staff? I, we covered some of it last week, so we're just covering the new stuff this week. No, not really. I think uh, maybe next week we'll delve into uh, what to look for maybe uh, on the uh, on the horizon with with the uh, February signing date. Maybe we'll bring some some new offers to the table and kind of talk about some guys to keep an eye on. Because um, obviously this next month or two of recruiting is going to be really really huge and hopefully exciting to to follow. Yeah, it's always an important. It's way more important for a uh, new coach. Yep. Uh, the like we already talked about the JUCO market, the mm-hmm. transfer portal. And I'm excited to see what like what kind of prospect drink is gonna gonna go after. And maybe he doesn't even really. Maybe we don't see that until the next recruiting cycle of, of really what kind of prospect he he's going after. But I think every every coach kind of has that that trademark recruit at least maybe even specific uh, position. Um, what what kind of attributes of players mm-hmm. they're looking for? So, yeah, you can imagine he'll definitely have some of that on the offensive side of the ball at least. Uh, the only other news item that I have is that Jordan Elliott was named uh, AP second team All-American. So kind of a shame uh, the way the season turned out for a couple of these guys that had uh, pretty outstanding individual seasons. And also just kind of adds to the shock that they ended up with the record they had with some of the individual performances on this team. Yep. I've never seen a worse offense, honestly, maybe in like ever. So I don't know. I don't know. There's some Mizzou offenses in the not so distant past that I think would rival it. 2015 was rough, but man, that the end of this season was, was really something else. But I mean, we've talked about it so much, but the defense can obviously continue to play great. And uh, Jordan Elliott is definitely deserving of that. Pretty soon. We'll have to give our predictions for uh, the NFL draft. Um, I remember last year we had a lot of players that we were a lot of Mizzou players that potentially could have been drafted, and I think we were about on average two rounds too high on like <laughs> yeah. every player. Yeah, you're so right. I'm gonna have to scale it back a little bit and maybe just whatever I whatever's in my heart, 
I'm just going to add two rounds to it, and that's where they'll get drafted. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> All right, moving on to basketball. It is a big week for Mizzou basketball. Uh, they just had a nice little win over Southern Illinois, uh, won that 64-48. to 48. So um, still a little underwhelming with their record. Sits at 6-4 and four after 10 games. They're ranked 56th in Ken Palm, 110th on offense, and 28th on defense. So that defense getting getting back up to where we expected them to be. Uh, offense lagging behind a little bit. But uh, got a nice win there, and now we are heading into bragging rights. So that'll be this Saturday against Illinois. So, <laughs> if you hear a dog barking, just uh, excuse that. Uh, I assume you didn't catch much of the uh, Southern Illinois game since you were out of the country. Yes, you're correct. I was not able to watch that game, even though I wanted to watch the game. Uh, Mark Smith was fantastic. He just made pretty much everything he threw up into the air. I mean, some deep threes that splashed home. And uh, Conzo Martin had a kind of a head-scratching comment the other day about the issues shooting the ball and he said that he thought perhaps players were taking uh, too deep of threes and they needed to get a little bit closer to the line and some people kind of justifiably laughed about that comment a little bit seems questionable uh that that would actually be the issue and mark smith kind of proved that that is not at all an issue with him because he was making it from everywhere and he was making catch and shoot threes off of screens he made a couple just pull-ups off the dribble that looked really good so yeah, he bounced back in a big way, uh, got his three point percentage back up over 40, 40% for the season, which is pretty impressive considering he has had some pretty slow nights shooting himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman notably kind of absent from the box score, even though he was not in foul trouble. Um, Missouri has been starting a really big lineup as of late with Tillman, Mitchell Smith and Kobe Brown all starting the game together. Uh, which means the Smith trio are all starters uh -oh. at this point. So uh, you telling yeah. those haters to back off? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> A lot of people don't know what we're talking about. But, uh, so, but then they ended up playing pretty small for a lot of the game, uh, and that seemed like it was just decided by the flow of the game. Uh, Tillman just wasn't very effective because Southern Illinois was double teaming him every single time he touched the ball. But he was actually effective finding teammates. They found Javon Pickett in particular on a couple times that Javon was just in the right spot right at the right time for an easy bucket. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, uh, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but I feel like that's what's going to help Tillman get freed up is whenever he shows that he can distribute the ball and when other guys prove they can make shots. Obviously, if Mark Smith is going seven for nine from three every game, you, you're going to have to start guarding him. And uh, if Tillman shows that he can distribute and, and really take advantage of, of getting double teamed, then that's probably not going to continue either. So when other guys prove that they can score, then I think the game's going to open up for Tillman again. Missouri pulled down 15 offensive rebounds and just completely destroyed Southern Illinois on the glass and uh, really clamped down on defense. I mean, Southern Illinois only scored 48 points in the game, and it looked for a little bit like they might not even get to 40 because they went on a little 9-0 run at the end of the game when it didn't matter, and Missouri kind of let off the gas. And Conzo actually said that he was a little bit disappointed by that, but, I mean, the the game flow at the, the time just dictated Missouri letting off the gas. It was yeah. not a big deal, but um, they 
were really good on defense. Southern Illinois was shooting contested jumpers. They were five of 17 from three. And uh, coincidentally enough, five of seven, 17 from two as well. So um, under 30% uh, for the game. So I don't know. Can't ask for much more than that on defense. Conzo must be a, a statistics guy. Cares about those points per possession. You know? Yeah, probably. Hurts the defensive rating even when the game doesn't count. Yeah. Or not when the game doesn't count, but when the uh, possessions don't count. That is true. Uh, speaking of Tillman getting double teamed, I do not think that is something we are going to see very much of in the Illinois game. Um, Illinois is 39th in Ken Palm. They have a record of 8-3. and three. They have a really big win over Michigan, and they should have won on the road at Maryland, but they just kind of threw that game away. Uh, their other two losses are to Arizona and Miami, so they, haven't, they don't have a bad loss. Even, they don't have anything even close to a bad loss on their resume so far, so they're looking like a potential tournament team come March. Uh, they're ranked 35th on offense and 50th on defense, so pretty solid on both sides of the ball. And uh, the reason they're not going to have to double-team Tillman is because they've got a freshman big man named Kofi Cockburn, who we actually had the pleasure of seeing live uh, at the Tournament of Champions either last year or the year before. Probably two years ago. Yeah, I think he was a, it was, he was a junior at the time. But uh, he's a legit seven-footer. Yeah, he's massive. Yeah, he looks like a man amongst boys. Uh, probably, I mean, he's he's pretty hefty. So yeah. um, he Thick, will, they like to say. He'll look, he'll look big even compared to... Uh, 6'10", Jeremiah Tillman. And yeah, that's going to be a battle for yeah. sure. And obviously, I, I have a hard time seeing Tillman disappear in this game. Even even if that means he's getting fouls, I think he's going to be really active in this game just because of all of the intangibles at, at, on the table currently. But um, he, he's going to have his hands full of definitely with, with Cockburn. We have seen Tillman go against pretty extraordinary big men in the past. I mean, uh, multiple matchups against Taco Fall where Tillman held his own and was actually impressive a couple of times. And uh, I think he can probably draw from that experience in this matchup. Um, Kofi Cockburn is just a, a freshman, but he he's, he's a solid player. I mean, he is really good finishing around the rim. Um, he's really good at defending without fouling. So kind of at least early in his, in his career, he's kind of the anti-Tillman. He is pretty much never in foul trouble. So... I think it'll be tough for Tillman to just try to bully his way in there because um, this guy's really skilled as a big man. And um, I think he will remind you of Tillman a little bit just in that he's kind of ahead of the curve on uh, on the offensive side of the ball as well. But they don't really – it's not really Illinois' style to just kind of run possessions through him. I think he he's used in a way – it's a little bit – kind of like how I wish Missouri used Tillman a little bit more, uh, just in a pick and roll, uh, running to the rim sort of things, finishing lobs. Uh, we see Tillman do it from time to time, but not enough in my opinion. Um, you won't see quite as many post-ups, especially with this matchup. I think Missouri would encourage that a little bit. They're going to actually be potentially trying to funnel the ball inside, get it away from the shooters. But um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be a tough matchup for many teams in the Big Ten all season. I don't think that'll be any different in this one. Illinois guards Trent Frazier and Ayu Dasunmu, uh, they both uh, played in last year's game, but uh, very differently. Um, Ayo was uh, on the bench most of the game with foul trouble, and shocking it shocked me the entire game, basically, that uh, he wasn't out there just trying to do something, even though he was in foul trouble. I mean, 
I, I think Conzo can kind of get into this a little bit as well, where he just like sits guys and they just sit the whole game. They never foul out. They just sit the whole game in foul trouble. And uh, that definitely happened last year. Uh, but Trent Frazier was basically the only reason that Illinois was even remotely in the game last season. And he was pulling up from everywhere. He was amazing. Yeah, really good. And uh, he's taken a step back a little bit um, in his shooting so far this season. Um, not quite as hot shooting it from three. And basically their whole team um, offensively hasn't struggled as bad as Missouri shooting the three, but uh, they've struggled a little bit, uh, taking a little bit of a step back from last season. Um, but they're all really good at drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line, and their numbers uh, shooting the ball inside. Obviously, when you got a seven-footer, that helps. But uh, their two-point shooting is much improved over last season. Yeah, I hate to say it, but they definitely kind of have a three-headed monster between those, th- those three guys that we just talked about. Uh, I don't really remember Illinois having this dominant of a big man in, in recent years. So, and obviously fantastic guard play, which they normally have anyway. So um, this game should be interesting. I, I'm, a, I'm a little worried. Um, it's a game that means a lot to me. Definitely. Like I always want to win this game so badly every year, just because of all the social media antics and all the weird drama that we had with, we have with Illinois. Well, all the players from yeah, East exactly. St. Louis area, um, right. that, you know, border, towns from uh between missouri and illinois right i can't overstate like how happy i was last year when we won this game and and won it pretty pretty handily yeah um man i would love to see that happen again this year but i think it's going to be it's a totally different illinois team it's and the fact that mark smith played for illinois and now is on missouri's team and yeah i'll never forget that uh image of i'm pretty sure mark smith jeremiah tillman and javon pickett were all on this like social media graphic that somebody made um, all in Illinois jerseys and now they all play for Missouri and I don't know there's just something kind of sweet about that and and Illinois fans of course would say that they they weren't wanted anymore uh, on that side of the river so but I remember Mark Smith playing very well his freshman year against us in the bragging rights and I remember Tillman not playing well at all I think Tillman like missed a dunk or something and like the crowd like went crazy and they yeah. were like booing him the whole time and stuff. Oh yeah. Every That'd time he touched the ball, they booed really Mark Smith tough. quite a bit last year. Yeah, they did. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how the crowd reacts. I'm sure they'll still be booing those guys. And that's, that's only, I mean, obviously the crowd is going to be loud, you know, for both teams, but that's something that only the Missouri players are experiencing. You know, the Missouri fans don't have any great dislike for Kofi Cockburn or Trent Frazier other True. than, they are really good players that play for the other team. Whereas the Illinois fans in that building are going to be actively rooting against Tillman and Mark Smith and Pickett to, to a lesser extent. Um, so you just know that they're going to be pretty, uh, pretty hyped up for that one. Hopefully Conzo can kind of get them to play under control. I can, I can see maybe a little bit of looseness at the beginning. Um, maybe they're adrenaline pumping a little too much, but this, I mean, pretty much all these guys have at least, even Drew Smith sat on the bench, you know, during his redshirt year last year and watched the game. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of know what to expect in this environment. Yeah, it's truly like w- one of my favorite events of the year, like sporting, like Mizzou sporting events of the year. It's just so much fun. And the, it seems like we don't play very many games where the crowds are just so into it. And obviously it's a neutral site. So um, it's kind of the next best thing to playing Kansas or something like that. So yeah. it's it's super electric. And uh, we I would like to go some year. That would, I've never been to... Uh, Missouri Illinois game but it'd be fun to go to the Bragg and Rights game at some point but mm-hmm. I am I'm looking forward to Saturday for sure 
and a huge game for Missouri's, uh, I don't know if you want to call it their tournament resume. I mean, it seems kind of silly to talk about that at this point, but I mean, with, with, without having a really that great of a non-conference season, there's two opportunities to pick up a quadrant one win left of this one. And then uh, later in the season against West Virginia. And I think this is much more attainable than going to West Virginia and trying to get a win in the middle of the season. Probably. And the SEC really has not looked very good at all this year so far. So if they re- if they want to make the tournament, they really have to win this game. Man, there's somebody tweeted a, like a screenshot of the box scores from the SEC yeah. teams a, a couple nights ago, like, and it was horrendous. Like I Kentucky mean, lost to Utah. LSU lost to East, East Tennessee, Tennessee State. State. Yeah. Uh, they've got a decent Tennessee, program, but still. Tennessee lost, I think, as Tennessee well. Tennessee lost to Cincinnati pretty handily. It was not a good night for the SEC. There's one other one, too. but And yeah. I, I think the SEC is only going to have six teams in the NCAA tournament. And I think that there's a – right now, if you look at Maybe it. Maybe not even that. There's a pretty big gap between what I think are the top six and then Missouri, I think, maybe right there, seven, eight, nine area. But, I mean, when you talk about Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky – Florida and Arkansas. Who am I forgetting? LSU. And LSU. Yeah, those are the teams that I think are should be thinking about the NCAA tournament at this point. And Auburn's probably maybe in their own tier right now. They're they're really good and everybody else is not looking it's pretty it's pretty yeah. disappointing. We'll we'll dive a little bit deeper into uh, previewing the SEC um, after Missouri finishes up the non conference schedule. I do want to say though, I actually snagged some tickets uh, as a Christmas gift to for my two uh, younger brothers and my dad uh, to go watch Missouri play Chicago State nice. on uh, the 30th, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be kind of fun. And yeah. uh, we will move down into some nice seats, although we got lower level seats for uh, after fees and everything, 10 bucks a pop. Oh, so, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, not too bad. But we'll, uh, we'll That be better sitting, be a win. We'll be sitting like row five. <laughs> by the the time the first uh, media timeout happens yeah you want to give a prediction for this uh bragging rights matchup i guess it's probably not going to be a good one for missouri but <clears throat> i i always feel like this game is, is is competitive no matter how the seasons are going for for the teams uh i do think illinois is going to pull away at the end just i think the guard play i, I just think illinois is going to hit more shots and this game is really what it's going to come down to i think they're their guards are just more consistently um, proven that they can hit shots. Um, I think Illinois is going to win 71-65. to 65. Very interesting. Um, if Missouri wins this game, it'll be because Illinois shot like 17% from three. And I think... I think they're going to try to funnel the ball inside, and they've had the Missouri's field goal defense has been so good this season. Um, I think both teams will will turn the ball over quite a bit, especially early on. Hopefully, Missouri can settle down. I mean, obviously, it's what college bo- basketball has become as a three point shooting contest almost. Whichever team does that better is going to typically win, and I think I think Illinois will struggle shooting the ball from deep. I'm going to predict a Missouri win partially because they just need it so much to have any hope of like a 20-win bubble team type season. And I say they win 65 to 62. Close one. 
I hope you're right. You're right more often than I am. So, and these like, I don't pick know. Em things we do so. in the pick them. Yeah, not. I don't know about in the score prediction. That's true. We never kept uh, track of that. Really, that's kind of a random. I'd crap be shoot, so. more than happy to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh, I'm shockingly a little bit uh, too optimistic sometimes when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> predicting scores, no seasons. Way. <coughs> no way. Well, uh, anything else before we? Uh, Send everybody on their way. I, w- I think we decided we are going to record next week a little bit earlier than usual um, to get the podcast out to everybody's feeds um, before the holidays. Yeah. So It'll probably come out on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So if you're uh, driving back and forth to uh, different meals or uh, family gatherings, you have something to listen to. Annoy your uh, family members by uh, listening to Mizzou Sports Talk. Sounds good to me. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, uh, at Missouri Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And uh, if you know anybody that uh, is a Mizzou fan and aren't already listening to us, please uh, give us that, give them that recommendation. And, uh, give us that shameful, that shameful, that shameless, shameless plug. Oh, a yeah. shameful plug. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Give us that, sh- that shameless that plug. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time.